Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Case Cats from St. Mary Mercy Hospital Emergency Medicine Residency. And I'm your host, uh, Dr. Dominique Hill, the Associate Program Director. And today I have our former chair of the department, Dr. Mike Calise, and he's going to be speaking to us about a topic that is important to him, which is urinary retention. Welcome, Dr. Calise. Well, thank you very much, uh, Dominique, and thanks for letting me talk about this topic. What uh, what made you interested in this topic, Dr. Kalise? It just seems to be a common ED presentation, and I don't think that we teach our young doctors really well uh, how to evaluate and manage. As I mentioned to you earlier, you know, it's not just place a foley and go without really thinking about the case, because you really need to think through um, the potential etiologies of it uh, during your evaluation. Okay, and then why don't we move into what are the common presentations for this and etiologies? Sure, thank you. You know, I always like to start everything with kind of a definition and how do you define urinary retention? I tend to define it as I have the patient void and I do a post void residual uh, calculation either by ultrasound or after placing of the Foley catheter. And by definition, posterior void uh, residual is greater than 100 ml, uh, is diagnostic for acute urinary retention. And so when I get a patient that presents, and what brought this case to me uh, recently in this topic was I had an elderly female who came in uh, with urinary retention. And, you know, it wasn't just the Foley and go. You, and it highlighted that uh, women and children, you have to increase your suspicion of potential serious pathologies. So as a discussion, when I think about urinary retention, I go into the room thinking of potentially four causes, at least broad causes. Structural uh, being the most common. And then you gotta think through the medication. So a good medication history is always important. Uh, neurologic, sometimes the presentation of acute neurologic problem uh, can be uh, the cause of urinary retention and infectious. In fact, in men, over 80, uh, a third of the men over 80 will present at least for one visit with acute urinary retention. So that's going to be a larger and lar larger pool of patients. Two thirds of men when they have acute urinary retention are BPH or prostatomegaly. But it's really easy to stop there and just assume every elderly person or elderly male especially is related to prosthetic hypertrophy. But only two thirds are. So you really need to th think through the case and make sure you run your differential, don't close it too early. Another thing that should raise your suspicion or concern, just like in the case I had, when a woman or, ch or ch children prevent with urinary retention, they're at much higher risk for a serious etiology of potential cause of the urinary retention. So the major cause of acute urinary retention, you know, we mentioned structural. With adult men, BPH is very common. Uh, two-thirds will be the cause, but you also have to consider other causes structural, such as urinary stricture, compression of a pelvic mass, a blood clot, uh, especially after instrumentation. Constipation can cause urinary retention. I've seen that a fair amount. Uh, bladder and urethral calculi, phimosis, paraphimosis. Women, be concerned about a gynecological neoplasm. Fibroid can do it. Pelvic abscess, urethral stenosis, constipation like the male. And then children, Think about posterior ureteral valves, uh, congenital malformations, uh, constipation, uh, neuroblastoma, um, which I saw once when I was a resident uh, with a 
remarkable surgeon who diagnosed it on clinical exam. Um, and then medications is the second thing, and that's where I think a good medication history is important. Look for the anticholinergics, the antihistamines, the antimuscarinics that patients can be on, some of the anti-epileptics. Uh, NSAIDs, actually, in LG can also cause some urinary retention, so keep that in your differential as well. Uh, toxicology, anticholinergics, frequently one of the ways you can diagnose in that anticholinergic is look for urinary retention. Some pathomimetics, MDMAs, opioids, and some of the herbal remedies also can cause urinary retention. Of more concern, though, is also the neurologic causes. That's the third uh, structural cause that can do it, such as cauda equina syndrome from a back problem or infection, uh, Parkinson's disease. Um, quite a few patients with Parkinson's disease will have urinary retention, MS, um, transverse myelitis, uh, autonomic neuropathy, and Guillain-Barre, uh, about a third can present, actually an early presentation can be urinary retention. And then the last thing we always think about is the infectious causes, uh, urinary tract infection, meningitis, sacral zoster, um, urethritis, vulvovaginitis, and prostatitis is one as well. And that's why, unfortunately, it's important that you do a prostate exam on patients with urinary retention, because you may not want to put a Foley through an inflamed prostate. Um, people frown upon that with a concern for potentially inducing uh, bacteremia. So those are kind of the main causes I went through. Okay, now that we've uh, got some background information in terms of the definitions and etiology, which um, there's a very broad differential. Thank you very much for going through that. Um, why don't we kind of switch gears and move towards uh, diagnostics in terms of how you would diagnose yeah. urinary retention? Yeah, so you see a patient that comes in with severe pain, kind of looks like renal colic, or in your elderly patient with delirium, urinary retention needs to be on the differential, uh, and you should make sure that that is not a cause uh, in the elderly patient. Um, so the critical aspects, I think, of conversation is recognize the problem. Um, strongest predictors of acute urinary retention is a previous episode. About 68% of patients who have had acute urinary retention in the past are likely to have it again. Other exam issues, uh, do a good physical exam and history looking for urinary tract types or lower urinary tract symptoms, such as hesitancy, a weak stream, frequency, how many times they're getting up at night to go to the bathroom. Take a history also with about new medications. Uh, again, I already mentioned on physical exam, the digital rectal exam is required on a patient with acute urinary retention. You're looking for the large prostate um, and prostatitis, meaning one prostatitis, if it's there, you won't want to put a folic catheter through it with a concern for inducing bacteremia. And then if there's no large prostate in a male uh, who has acute urinary retention, their risk now goes up for serious pathologies, such as with women and children. So diagnostic exam in a woman or child or a male who does not have a large prostate, consider a CT of the abdomen and pelvis with contrast and looking for significant structure of pathology is important. You're, you know, you're searching for clues on your physical exam, you're checking for back pain, you're looking for a reflexa, look for weakness, gait instability, any fever, and consider a pelvic exam. And in my case with the, young, the elderly woman who had urinary retention, when we went to do the Foley, we noticed that she had uh, vaginal prolapse. 
as a cause of urinary retention. So women and children can present with serious pathology as a cause of their symptoms. And then the diagnostic test, as most residencies are teaching ultrasound well, and point-of-care ultrasound is probably one of the best tests you can do to diagnose a patient, especially elderly who's altered. Throw the ultrasound machine on and see if they have an extremely large bladder. Um, or if post-void, you can calculate over 100 ml uh, of residual urine in patients. So point-of-care ultrasound is important. Uh, also, the, again, we mentioned the CT, the abdominal contrast in children and women should be strongly considered, and males who have urinary retention without BPH, the importance of the rectal exam. Uh, basic metabolic panel, a 2012 review uh, of acute urinary retention patients recommended workup, including a CBC, basic metabolic UA and urine culture, or acute urinary, urinary retention can cause post-renal uh, AKI, and also can cause some significant electrolyte derangements. Some people in the past I've seen have done PSAs. However, acute urinary retention can artificially double the PSA in a patient, so it's not really helpful in the acute setting. So those are kind of the common presentations and diagnostic studies I tend to order on patients. Those all sound very reasonable and very thorough. Um, it's very interesting, uh, and I guess it highlights your case uh, doing a very thorough physical exam. Um, because that's how you found out that the vaginal prolapse was contributing to the urinary retention. Yeah, I mean, again, I think I took, it kind of made me do a little more research into this. And with the reading, I found women and children and men without BPH tend to have a much higher risk for other causes. So you need to keep the differential broad. Absolutely. Well, now I guess we will move into uh, treatment then. Yeah, and again, you know, I, I'm dogmatic. I, it, I like a structural approach to these patients. You know, the first thing you want to do is, I think, relieve the urinary retention by the means that you end up able to do that. Two, uh, you'll want to medicate the patient uh, for increased likelihood for successful trial avoiding after the Foley eventually is removed with the alpha blockers. Um, you know, the common ones are Urexitol and Flomax. Uh, one thing I have done in the past, which in my research recently on this case found that no antibiotics have been pro proven to be efficacious with placement of the Foley catheter. I'd always been on the teaching end where placement of the Foley necessitated antibiotics as you're putting a foreign body or doing instrumentation, but the research I found did not find that proven advantageous. And then after you've treated with the Foley, you've given an alpha blocker to try to help with the removal of the Foley in the future, is identify and treat the cause. Again, the CBC, the urine, the urine culture, the basic metabolic panel, just to look for other causes. Don't order the PSA as it's not helpful in this workup. So when I approach a patient putting in a Foley, I kind of have a game plan for that. Start. I start with a Foley catheter and I'd with the catheter, I like to use a lidocaine gel. Lidocaine gel, with the studies I've, I looked at, did not prove that it decreases pain with with uh, Foley insertion, but physiologically and I think mentally, I feel better about it. So I, I tend to use the lidocaine gel. The Foley placement, I tend to start with a 18 French, and if that's unsuccessful, my next step is an 18 French Coudet catheter, which has a curved tip on it. 
and helps it pass the curvature of the urethra as it goes through a prostate in the male. If I'm unsuccessful with an 18 French coude, I do a firmer tip catheter called a silicone tip catheter that's 12 French that helps you get through the urethra sometimes better. And if that fails, a suprapubic catheter. My review of the literature mentioned a lot about ER placement of suprapubic catheter. It just hasn't been my experience that that's done often, but they, they found that there's less complications, there's less infections. They also found that uh, obviously the post void or the voiding trial after insertion a few days later is a lot easier without the catheter. Another thing I found with urinary leakage around catheters, I found kind of interesting. I always, I had been with a dogma that a larger catheter was required, but that doesn't seem to be the cause that usually it's uninhibited bladder spasms. So they recommend uh, antispasmatics such as ditropan or even pyridium. Uh, if you find leakage, a lot of times if you can control the spasm, you can control the leakage. So I learned something doing the research for this presentation. Um, and then the last part I really try to think about is disposition. Close follow-up with urology is important with these cases because of these serious potential causes of the retention. In fact, many times when the patient sent home, they found a significant number that had serious causes uh, on follow-up by urology. Um, so who do you admit with acute urinary retention? You know, you always have, based on your gestalt, that's always one. Uh, concern, any concern for sepsis or emergent or pathologic causes, I think, and requires an admission or if the patient has significant acute kidney injury, um, that uh, can happen. And then in the research, I kind of said, well, how, when should they see the urologist? What's the follow-up time? And looking at some of the studies, it seemed like three days out was your best timing for the follow-up. So you've placed the catheter, you've relieved the obstruction, you put them on the alpha blockers for best chance of having successful removal, but three-day urology follow-up seems to be the best uh, for success with removal and lowest number of cal uh, complications. There's a slight increase of success rate with removal if you go longer, but the success, the complication rate significantly goes up to 33% versus 23%. So it seems like three-day urology follow-up is the best window uh, for your patient to follow up with success of removal of the catheter and being able to avoid after removal and least amount of complications. That all sounds very reasonable, Dr. Kalise. Um, I think I was also taught as well that a close follow-up with urology is also very uh, useful, especially in terms of getting that fully out. Uh, so I guess what we'll do to wrap up will be any pearls, clinical pearls that you have for our audience or closing remarks. Sure. So. You know, cost-effective point-of-care ultrasound has been found to be very helpful in these patients. Um, do not order the uh, prostate-specific antigen. Remember, after the Foley catheter, uh, alpha blocker is safe and inexpensive. Doesn't have the bad things that we've been taught that with. It has some, but very rare uh, orthostatic hypotension. Um, don't get prophylactic antibiotics with urethral catheter placement. Um, make sure you follow a set approach for your evaluation with broad spectrum uh, differential, especially under the four main issues. Um, and then have a plan with placement of the Foley, lidocaine gel, 
urinary catheter, it fails 18 French Goudet, it fails 12 French silicone tip. And if you've got a patient extreme, you can certainly do a suprapubic catheter under ultrasound guidance. A uh, quick trick I've used in the past, you can actually use a central line kit and use cell donor technique to drain the bladder of someone who's acutely distended if you can't get a urologist there in a reasonable amount of time. I like that trick. It makes I was actually thinking about that as you were talking about doing suprapubic catheterization. I was like, it's I was like definitely gonna be would be the uh, cell ginger technique. So thank you again, Dr. Khalees, for talking to us about this very common presentation that we see in the emergency department very frequently. And uh, thank you to our audience for tuning in with us this week, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah, thanks, and it's a great opportunity to always, shows you that you can always learn something.